So the question is, have you placed your faith in Christ? What is it that you've built your life on to determine whether you are a part of the elect? Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Good morning to you. We are continuing our sermon series on the election results. And before we get there, I do want to remind you, we'll keep hearing throughout the day. We're getting ready for Christmas Eve services. Hard to believe that that's just a few days away this next Thursday. By Tuesday of this week, we're going to have to make some decisions on whether we need all three of those services or not. So if you've not had a chance to register online, you can go to pcbc.tv. You can click on which one of the services that you'll be attending, and that will help us know our attendance and know which services we need to have. We may have to consolidate into two unless we get some caught up online reservations. So please, if you can, and it's safe for you to be there, we would love to celebrate with you this Christmas Eve. Well, 2020 will be remembered by some as a year of loss, things that they didn't get to have, things we didn't get to do, uh, even the loss of some of our friends and family members through uh, the COVID virus. But this isn't what our perspective should be on what we haven't been able to do or what we may not be able to do. But the whole purpose of this sermon series is to remind us of all that we have in Christ Jesus. That's the focus that we have to have. We have to lift our eyes upward because if it's down here, it's messy, it's ugly, it's discouraging, and it's depressing. But God has elevated us uh, with him in the heavenly places and certainly has given us all things that we've been seeing in these election results that really matter. The election that you have in Christ Jesus. And while it's been a crazy election cycle, and while they would say that there's not much hope for the future elections either, that it's always going to be chaotic and it's always going to be confusing, this morning we focus in on an election that is safe and secure. I want to anchor it through Scripture today, and I want to remind us of all that we have been seeing in this sermon series, that before the very foundation of this world, God elected a way for us to be saved, to become the elect. This election is not based on anything that we could do. It is simply designed by God. It was designed with a man to accomplish the plan, the Lord Jesus, that we celebrate his birth this Christmas season. Election defined, let me put it back up on the screen for you as we look through this. There's a lot of different teachings about predestination, election. We simply would say election is this. It's those who freely come to God, who have free, who God has freely chosen in Christ. Now you may say that's an oversimplified uh, semantic uh, trying to describe election, but those are the things we clearly see in scripture. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God is willing that none should perish. And then we've looked at other previous scriptures that talked about how God predetermined the way of salvation through a man, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we'll talk about today. So the question is, have you placed your faith in Christ? What is it that you've built your life on to determine whether you are a part of the elect? Is it based on scripture? Is it based on emotion? Is it based on your own understanding or is it uh, developed from the bedrock of God's truth, the word of God? Well, we see clearly that God has predetermined a way that before the foundation of the world, Jesus was slain. That it was predetermined how God would take care of man's problem 
our sin that separates us from a holy God. Well, what are the results? What are the results of that election? What does that mean for you and me every single day we wake up? Well, we've been seeing that we are new creatures. Part of the results of that election is that God has allowed us to become new in Christ. Our old life is gone, our old nature, and God has made us new in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, we are joint heirs with Christ. We become heirs of all that is our heavenly fathers. We looked at our inheritance last week, and this morning, I want to let the message of Christmas, what we're celebrating and what we're moving towards over these next few days, even the birth of our Savior speaks to our election results. So why was our Savior born? Why was given to us a Savior? Well, let's let Jesus speak to that very issue. If you have your Bibles this morning, let's take a look at the election, the elected one, the one who was elected to leave his throne in heaven and come to this earth. It's found in Hebrews chapter 10. Go to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 7, and Jesus will answer the question, why he was born. Let's take a look at it this Christmas season. Verse 5. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, that speaks of his birth. That speaks of him taking on human flesh and being born in that manger that we celebrate every Christmas. When Christ came in the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Even Jesus testified that it was God's predetermined plan to make a way for sinful man to be restored back to relationship with his holy creator. It is a holy plan. It is a plan that was elected by God before the foundation of the world. And it is the only way, the holy way, that you can be right with the God who created you. You see, justice was to be served. The penalty for our sin had to be paid. A penalty you and I could never, ever pay. That penalty, the wages of sin, which is death, God declared that to Adam in the garden and warned him and told him, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if you bring evil into the human experience, you'll be separated from me, you will die. That would be the penalty. And that penalty could only be paid fully and wholly by this one who was born in a manger. So Jesus, the predetermined one, was uh, predetermined that he would take on a body, that he would come to this earth, that he would interject himself into this dimension, this reality, our reality that we created. He came to this world born of a virgin, born in a manger, lived a perfect life, and became the perfect substitute and the payment for our sins. Look at verse 5 again. For him to become that substitute, he had to take on flesh. And look what he said. Sacrifices and offerings you've not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. I said earlier, to pay for the sins of man, he had to become a man. And so he took on this bodily form so that he could take on the sins of the world on a cross. That he could be that substitute for you and me. And that took a birth, a life, and a death. As we celebrate Jesus this Christmas, let's remember why he came. Look at verse 7. Look at what he said. He said, for I have come, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. 
God's will is that for you and I to be free from sin. God's will is that Jesus would take on flesh, would be born into this world so he could die for the sins of this world. Because he was born, he would die. Not just a natural death, but a supernatural purpose, a supernatural reality, accomplishing God's perfect will. For a purpose to accomplish the election results that we've been studying these past few weeks. From his birth, through his earthly ministry, all the way to the garden that night as he was being arrested, we find Jesus there praying. And we find Jesus, as was his custom, crying out to the Heavenly Father. And what were some of the last things he would pray to God? He'd say, Lord, Lord, if there's another way, Lord, if there's any other way, but not my will, Lord, what? Your will be done. From his birth to the last days of his life, he lived according to the will of the Father. And what was the will of the Father? That he would be born to die for you and for me. I pray that blesses you this Christmas season. I pray instead of seeing what COVID has stolen or what has happened in these last months, that instead of all that, we could focus on what Christ has done. What will make a difference not just in 2020, but in every year that we breathe, every year that we live on this planet. Well, turn over to 1 John chapter 3 now. 1 John chapter 3. And again, I want you to see why Jesus was born. 1 John chapter 3 verse 4 says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. It's living outside of God's declared will. That's what sin is. Anything outside of God's declared will is lawless. It is sin. And the Bible, speaking to this struggle here, John speaking to it, says, verse 5, you know that he appeared, there's his birth, why he came, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. Because he was born, the first election results were that he would take away our sins. Matter of fact, this is what the forerunner, John the Baptist, would declare. John chapter 1, you don't have to turn there, but John, over in his gospel, would give this account of what was declared by the forerunner of Jesus, John the Baptist. It says that the next day, he saw Jesus coming towards him, and he simply responded and said, Behold, my cousin, Jesus, family reunion. Is that what he said? He didn't draw attention to the natural, he drew attention to the supernatural. He said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. As we look through Scripture, as we see this declaration, there are four things Jesus does with sin. Very quickly, if you're taking notes, write down these four things. Number one, Jesus came. Why was he born? He was born, one, to condemn sin. Romans chapter 8, verse 3. It's on the screen. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. So by sending his own Son, that's why he was born. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. It was declared from on high and by our holy God that sin was now condemned, that sin would now be forever removed from those who would trust him in faith. That leads to point two. The second thing Jesus does with sin is he conquers sin. Like a true scapegoat that they would many times look to in the Old Testament, Jesus became our scapegoat. He became our sin bearer. And in that, he conquered sin. First Peter 
chapter 2, verse 24. For he himself bore our sins in his body, that body that was designed for him, that body that was the predetermined plan, the predetermined way through a predetermined man. He bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds, we have been healed. That's what you ought to see this Christmas. You want to find healing in a vaccination or you want to find a healing in the blood of Jesus? You want to find a healing that will last a lifetime or do you want to find a healing that will last forever? Jesus died and by his wounds, by his suffering, by his death, we were healed of that condition called sin. Third thing Jesus does with sin is he cancels it. He pays for it and it is now wiped off the books. Look at Colossians chapter 2. Verses 13 through 14. Colossians 2, 13 through 14. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven our big sins, those major things that we have done. Is that what it says? It says all our transgressions. By canceling the record of debt, there it is, canceling out the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Praise God, our debts have been paid. Praise God, we are free from our sin, the penalty of sin, and also the power and corruption of that sin. He came to cancel the debt. The fourth thing he does with sin praise God, is found in Psalm 103, verse 12. He cast sin away forever. For as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Yes, Jesus was born in a manger. And yes, if we're not careful, like Ricky Bobby, we can get all fascinated and get all excited about sweet baby Jesus. But I want you to understand, sweet baby Jesus was God's predetermined plan that you and I might become the elect of God, that our sins might be canceled and removed as far as the east is from the west. Nothing about it is our plan. It isn't us, the candidate, that wins the race. It's the Lord Jesus who secured our election results. Can I get an amen from those who have been forgiven? Well, go back to 1 John then. Let's return back to 1 John because he's not done speaking about why Jesus was born and the results of that election. First John chapter 3, verse 6. So no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Now you may be sitting out there today and you may say, uh-oh, I'm confused. I still struggle with sin. I still find myself all these years after coming to know Christ as Savior still struggling in my sin. Well, it isn't speaking of the reality of whether you struggle with sin or not. That's clearly defined in Galatians, that there's a battle between the flesh and the spirit every single day. There is a battle. But he does declare for those who are in Christ Jesus who understand the election results, they understand the victory that they have because Christ has canceled sin and he has conquered sin. And yet there are so many Christians today that are ignorant to the election results that don't understand the truth declared in Scripture. And so if you're not living by the truth, you live defeated even though the election has been won. It's important that we understand clearly what is being taught here. Look at verse 7. Little children, 
Let no one deceive you. Again, John was writing to these believers and reminding them that, yes, they have a heavenly father, they are the children of God, but they were being deceived. Being deceived about what sin is and what sin does in our life. And so he goes on to teach these young believers, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, for he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. When we come around Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and as we sing our Christmas songs, many times we focus on that sweet baby born in a manger. We think about the intimacy of that moment and how much God so loved the world that he did send his only begotten son. And rightfully so, that is the, the, the focus because if there was no birth, there could be no death. If he didn't take on a body, he could have never taken on our sin. And yet we forget why he came. We forget that he came to destroy the works of the devil. What does that mean? What are the works of the devil? Well, we can make a list and we can clearly see the fruit of those works. We can see the pride of man. We can see the perversion of man. We can see the prejudice of man. We can see the purposelessness, purposefulness, uh, lack of in man. We can see all the struggles and all the challenges and we can see all the fruit of evil. But literally, Jesus boiled it down to what the works of the devil are. Turn over to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. It's interesting. This is a teaching he would give to an audience of religious people. He wasn't speaking to a group of people hanging out at some kind of support meeting that were struggling with their addictions. He wasn't speaking to uh, a, a community out in Las Vegas somewhere that were just living it high on the hog. He's speaking to people who devoted their lives to be very religious, Pharisees and Jews. And he's speaking to this audience. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me for I came from God. And that speaks of his birth. That speaks of the reality that he came from heaven, was born in this world. And he says, I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. Wow. That's some loving stuff right there, isn't it? And that's some sweet baby Jesus. Isn't that a sweet conversation happening? When you love to be a part of that audience and he says, you're of your father, the devil. They're like, no, you're crazy. We're of our father, Abraham. Here's their pride speaking. There they are looking to what they accomplished. And they really didn't even accomplish it. They just happened to be born into it. There they exposed their spirit of religion, but no relationship with the holy God because they were of their father, the devil. Watch this. Now watch what Jesus teaches. And your will is to do your father's desires. Okay, so he's speaking of Satan, Satan's desires, Satan's works, if you will. What is his desires? What is he always working out? Well, we know in John 10, 10, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Watch this. So it's unpacked here in verse 44. For he was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. 
for he is a liar and the father of all lies. As Jesus was speaking into the hearts of these people that were separated from a holy God, he pointed out to their problem is that there was a birth issue. One, they didn't understand why Jesus was born, and they had never been born a second time. Therefore, they still had a father, their original birth. They were born naturally into this world, and now they were under the penalty of sin and death. But he points out there are two things about the works of the devil. Number one, murder. His sole desire is to take life, not just physically, but forever. In the garden, what was his work? What work was he doing with the first human family created by a holy God? He was there to mess with their heads, to get to their hearts, to destroy their lives. And how did he do that? The second part of his works, to accomplish that murder, he is a liar and the father of all lies. Jesus was born in this world to destroy those works. To destroy the reality of murder that he could take your life for all of eternity and the reality of the lies that he would perpetrate on you every day of your life. Jesus came to destroy those things. And so there in the garden he lied. Using half-truths and confusion lying to Adam and Eve that there was more to life than what God had for them, that all they had to do was go seize it, go get it, and live life how they wanted to live, and all would be even magnified and greater. He lied. And because they believed his lies, they were defeated in the garden that day, and they died. Not physically in that moment. They died spiritually. They would die physically later because they listened to his lies. Jesus came to destroy that. That word destroy means to bind up, to render powerless. Jesus came in this world to take away all that Satan had over God's creation, to take away the sting of death. He can no longer be the murderer for those who look to Christ in faith. He cannot touch me. He cannot take my life because my life belongs to the Lord question for you today is, where is your life? Is your life just a natural life, born into this world, living life, but not being set free from our father, the devil? Are you finding that maybe even in that, yes, he can't murder you, he can't take your eternity because you've given that to Jesus, but do you still find that you're living under the lies the enemy, Jesus came to render those things powerless. You don't have to wake up every day wondering, am I good enough for God? You don't have to live under the lie that you, you don't add up. You don't have to live under a lie that you're just a nobody making no kind of difference in this world. You don't have to live under the lies that you can lose that salvation that Jesus Christ secured for you. You don't have to live under a lie that you're just a sinner and you will always be a sinner and sinner, sin will always own you. You don't have to live under the lie of an addiction that man is just more powerful than what I can overcome. That's a half truth. You can overcome it, but Jesus can deliver you through it. The Apostle Paul had to learn, I can do all things through Christ. That's the truth. 
The half-truth is I can't do anything. The half-truth is I am unworthy. But the real truth is he has made you worthy. And in Christ, he has made you the righteousness of God. Do you live in that truth? Or do you live under a lie? Are you going to allow the enemy to have more power than what he has? Are you going to unloose him in your life just to listen to his lies? Or will you live under the results of his election? I'd rather live under the truth than any lie Satan could perpetrate. You see, Jesus was born to destroy those works, to remove the death penalty and to remove the lies by becoming the way, the truth, and our life. Back that up. You cannot experience life if you don't experience truth. You can't know the way unless you allow him to be your truth. And so Satan tries to move back in to take over territory that is not his and accomplish that through his lies. Focusing on what we don't have. Focusing on the brutality of our life existence. uh, Focusing on this virus. Focusing on all of these things. The Apostle Paul had to learn a lesson. He said, I've learned something. I've learned a secret. You know what a secret is? A secret is something someone else knows that you don't know. What was that secret? Paul said, I've learned the secret of being content. And no matter the circumstance. You see, no longer was he going to live under a religious uh, umbrella like he used to as Saul. Before the road to Damascus, there he was, pouring out all of his energy, climbing the religious ladder. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees, but his life was empty. Thinking he was living for God, he didn't even know who God was because his father was the devil, even as a Pharisee. Then he was set free. Jesus showed him the way on the Damascus road. Jesus uh, clearly revealed to him eternal truth, and he became his life and transformed him into the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul went from being a big deal in Jerusalem to being an outlaw. Went from being one who was celebrated to being one who was constantly stoned, uh, not through drugs, but through literal stones that they were throwing at him. He was cast out of city after city and thrown into prisons. And anybody who would have experienced that as a will of God in their life would have said, oh, God doesn't love me. I must have some kind of terrible sin in my life listening to the lies of the enemy. But what did he learn? He said, God has taught me. He had to learn some hard lessons. Harder lessons than many of us in this room have. Harder lessons in 2020. In the beatings. In the imprisonments. In the shipwrecks. In the snake bites. In all the issues of his life. He came to realize, no matter my circumstances... He's still the way. He's still the truth. He's still my life. I'm content in Christ. Whether I have a great year like I did in 2019 or a struggle of 2020. What might be coming in 2021 doesn't matter. Whether I have plenty or whether I'm lacking. Whether I'm in prison or out of prison. Whether they're throwing rocks at me or whether they're clapping for me. I'm content. Because he understood the election results. And let our focus be there. Let our focus be on what is true, the way, and what brings us life. 
First Peter 3.18, I'll close with this. Look at it. First Peter 3.18. Why was Jesus born? Because it was God's elected plan that he would send the man, Jesus, that he would take on a body, that he would come to accomplish the will of God, which was to restore you back to a holy relationship with God. From 1 Peter 3.18, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for... That's us. The righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for taking on that body. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for so loving this world that you came to accomplish the will of God, that you might bring us back to God by paying an ultimate price. I think it's fascinating the traditions that we have at Christmas. A Christmas tree. Some people would try to tie that back to some kind of pagan origins. I choose to tie it back to Scripture. A tree that Jesus, the first Christmas gift, given to this world. For God so loved the world, he gave the first Christmas gift. He took on a body so he could take on a tree. And as he hung on that tree, a holy, innocent substitute, the Lamb of God, that takes away, and let's say it this way, my sin. My sin. Let's pray about it. With every head bowed and every eye closed. The election results. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for electing a way and electing the one, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for an election that is safe and secure. Results that are available to all who will call on the name of the Lord. My question for those who are worshiping here today and worshiping online as well, has there been a moment in your life where you've called on the name of the Lord. Not just cried out to God. We've all done that. We've all cried out to God for help in our time of crisis or our time of need. But has there been a defining moment where you've cried out to the Savior of the world? The one who came to do the will of God to bring you back to God by paying for your sin. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. By faith through grace... Are we saved? Have you ever placed your faith in the one that was born in a manger? In the one who lived a perfect life? In the one who was a perfect substitute? Who died, was buried, and rose again? Has there been a time where you've humbled yourself and said, Jesus, I need you to save me? If that hadn't happened for you, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. That right now you would cry out to God right now. No matter where you are, no matter what's going on around you, no matter the lies that Satan has been throwing at you all these years, listen to the truth. There is a way. There is a truth. Jesus. There is life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. But you can't have it if you don't receive it. The gift isn't yours until you receive it. So the Bible says we believe with our heart. We receive him into our life. Do that now. Just say, Jesus, I receive you. I receive you as my Savior. Thank you for dying for my sin. Now, God, live in me. 
If you prayed that prayer just now, indicate that on a communication card. Just say, today I prayed and nailed it down. Today, I clearly understand I needed a Savior. If you're worshiping online, you can reach out to our online pastor there in the chat box, or you can email us at ministry at pcbc.tv. Let us know what God's doing in your life this very morning. But maybe you've already been set free. You've already trusted Jesus. He can no longer, Satan can no longer be the murderer in your life. But he can still attempt to be the liar that he is. So I wonder if we could take just a moment and say, God, is there a lie that I'm listening to? Is there a lie that I'm living? And if the Holy Spirit shows you that lie, confess it as your sin. Replace the lie with the truth. The whole way this thing got messed up is because we replaced the truth with a lie. So reverse the curse by replacing the lie with the truth. Let Jesus set you free, for you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Father, I pray that today would be a day of deliverance, that it would be a day of freedom, that, God, we would realize you came to destroy the works of the devil. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for those election results. Thank you that we can be free from that penalty of murder, from the lies of the father of all lies. Thank you for being the way, the truth, and the life this day in our lives. And may you get our worship every moment we live. For we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.